Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. And the rarest trait of all is to have character. And true character, we know according to Scripture, true character is being Christ-like. Can I get an amen in this house? Being like Jesus, right? You can say, oh, character. Remember back in the day, some of you went to school here in town, they do character counts. Do you all remember that? And that's good. That's a good thing. They're on the right path. They're headed in the right direction. But the best character, the true character of God, and the best character that you ever want to have, the perfect example, is Christ. Jesus Christ himself was the perfect example of a, a father. And, and being fatherly and being holy and a good example and being a light. But also, Jesus had true God's he truly had God's character, so we want to be Christ-like. The Apostle Paul at one place in the New Testament says, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So that is the true example of being Christ-like is Jesus, man, and God's character in him. Being Christ-like is true character. So today, I've got some tragedy, I've got some disaster, but I also have some godly destiny in this story, okay? Today is a story of four sons. Someone say a story of four sons. This is not only for fathers, this is Father's Day, but it's for sons and daughters. We as sons and daughters of God, sons and daughters of human parents, in having character, what to do, what not to do, you're going to see once again disaster and also godly destiny. Remember, David was a man after God's own heart. But David had some character flaws, right? God saw that he would seek him. He would seek God. He would ask for forgiveness. You can read his journal. It's in Psalms. He'd say, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. After he sinned with Bathsheba, he had a man killed, for heaven's sake. David made mistakes, but he was a man of God. And he would always go back to God. But I'm going to tell you one thing about David. He was not the best father. And you're going to see more of that in this scripture here. David made some mistakes that brought some hurt to his family, some rough prophecies to his family. But today, hold on, okay? Hold on to hope. There's going to be some rough dudes in this story, and you don't want to be like them. But when we get near the end of the message, there is hope of great godly character, all right? Are you with me today? So this is a story of four sons. Three of them are of notoriously bad character. Awful. David's four oldest sons, they were Amnon, Kiliab. You don't hear about Kiliab because he just, strange name. But Kiliab, he just, he just didn't get into a lot of trouble, so you don't hear much about him. Hopefully he lived a godly life. We don't know much about him. But you got Amnon, then Kiliab. But then there was Absalom. You've heard of Absalom. Then you've heard of Adonijah. All right? And you've heard of Solomon, of course. So we're going to get into these first three. We're going to discuss Amnon, Absalom, and Adonijah, and these guys are just rotten. Here's what you don't want to be like. Point number one today, lacking character is uncontrolled desire. I've been talking to you about self-control, but I've talked to you about self-control as long as I've been a lead pastor of this ministry with my wife. You've got to have self-control. Scripture says it's better to be patient than powerful. Scripture says better is the person that can rule over their own soul those that have self-control, they're better off than someone who can conquer a city. You ever dealt with someone who had no self-control? Maybe you've had areas in your life you said, man, I didn't have any control. I just did that. I discussed this in Bible study last week. Man, we've made rotten mistakes all because of we just couldn't control ourselves. 
So we see this first example of Amnon. He had no self-control. Let's go to 2 Samuel 13, verse 1 and 2. And there, there's some rough stuff in the story of David's kids, his sons. Now David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar. So they were full brother and sister. They had the same dad and same mom. And Amnon, her half-brother, now see, Amnon was the oldest. Amnon, her half-brother, that's Tamar's half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Scripture has chosen to have this translated as in love with her, but he actually fell desperately in lust with her. Are y'all with me? It was his half-sister. It was a strange thing. Folks would say, yeah, but in the Old Testament, half-brothers and half-sisters married. Well, we don't know how this would have gone because Amnon messed it all up. He fell desperately in love with her is what the New Living Translation says. He was lovesick over her. She was beautiful. Look, look at this. To me, this is not real love. This is, once again, Scripture translates it as love. I just think it was a total phys physical, sexual love and lust. That's it. What Greek would call eros love. He didn't have any godly love toward her. And look how wicked this is. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. What a weirdo. I'm just going to say it today. I'm going to let it all hang out. I'm going to just drop it out there. I'm going to just drop it. We'll light it on fire and toss it like a grenade or a stick of dynamite. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin. The reason Scripture says this is she was young and she'd never been married, probably didn't have a, a boyfriend. She was young and pure and beautiful, and Amnon thought he could never have her. He never should have. Well, let me give you the rest of the story without reading it directly from Scripture. Let me paraphrase. Amnon had a buddy who was a cousin named Jonadab, and Scripture says he was a crafty man. And Jonadab said to Amnon, why should a king's son look depressed every day? What's your problem? He says, oh, I can't be with my half-sister. Jonadab said, pretend like you're sick and ask your dad to let her feed you. That sounds weird. So he acted ill. He told his dad came to check on him. He said, you know, I'd feel much better if my, my sister came and fed me from her own hand. She came. When she was there, he kicked, she, she fed him, cooked for him and fed him. He kicked everyone else, else out of the house, and then he forced himself on her. And she warned him. She said, don't do this. Ask our father. He'll give me to you, but don't, don't do this. This is awful. This shouldn't be done in Israel. You'll be considered a fool in Israel. He didn't listen to her. He forced himself on her. And after he forced himself on her, this is a tragic story. Scripture says the hatred that he had for her was greater than the love he had for her before, which that just proves it was earthly, devilish, sensual lust. After he had her the way he wanted, he hated her. He cast her out. Scripture says she lived desolate the rest of her life. I guess in Absalom's house. I don't remember that detail, but I think so. And Absalom said he saw her. She'd, been, she'd torn her clothes. She was... Off, she felt awful, and Absalom said, oh, have you been with Amnon? He said, oh, you were at Amnon's house. He figured out what had happened. And Absalom, Absalom said, don't worry, dear sister. He is your brother after all. But Absalom was another wicked little monkey. And we'll get to him in a minute. You see how Amnon started this big problem in the family by forcing his sister that way? It never should have happened that way. And I realize some of this message today, even a Father's Day message, sometimes it touches off different nerves and emotions in our lives. You say, man, I've been through it. This hurts. It's, it's sparking some, some old hurts. No, God is your heavenly Father now. And I want to say this to somebody today. 
If you have someone in your life who has taken the place and they've been a safe and healthy and pure father figure, maybe you say, man, I'm not around them all the time, but they've been an example of what a dad should be to me, even though they're not my dad, give them honor today. It may be your uncle, it may be a grandfather, maybe a neighbor. Sometimes there's a neighbor who said, that's an older man, but he always watched after us, made sure we were okay when we'd come home and mom was there. Moms do a fabulous job. These single moms, man, they do their best. But I'm going to tell you right now, no matter who says what, a single mom cannot be a father. Single moms are amazing, and they do brilliantly with their kids. They do. They've been the ones historically when dad's not there to take care of those kids. But let me tell you something right now. If you have not had a father in your life, you say, man, my biological left, he didn't care. My, somebody said years ago, my biological didn't bother. Huh. You've got your heavenly father. And look around you. You've been lacking in that area. There are good godly men around all the time. They're decent men. You say, man, I don't even know if he was godly, but he was kind to me. He would help our family. He was my uncle. He was an older cousin. Give them honor today. Blow their minds. Tell them happy Father's Day. Tell them, man, I wasn't your kid, but you were there, man. You filled in some gaps. You filled in some spaces, and it touched my soul. So we see here, and I just went off a little bit. We go back to Amnon. He had no self-control, uncontrolled desire. He said, I want what I want. That destroys people. That whole philosophy of I want what I want, that is not good. You're going to see a stream and a, and a thread of selfishness through these failed men in this story. And they never should have been this way. He could have been a man of God like his dad, David. Instead, he's remembered eternally as the guy who forced himself on his sister and began a chain of events that just about wrecked David's family. So uncontrolled desire. You don't want that. Start to get self-control. Start to get it under control. Can I get an amen? You don't have to have that right now. You don't have to have this or that. You don't have to do anything. You need to seek God, and there's a time and season for everything. Many times we want what we want right now, and we mess it up. Part of character is knowing times and seasons. Maybe we'll talk about that later in the series. Part of character is knowing it's not time yet. It's not time yet. That's part of character. I've learned that. I remember growing up, I'd tell Dad, I'd say, Dad, yeah, but I want to do this. He'd say, I know you want it right now, but we're not going to do that. Some of you need to be able to tell your kids no sometimes. You dads, you need to be able to tell your kids no. Don't be intimidated by your kids and be manipulated. That's for you moms, too. Don't be manipulated by your kids. Don't do that. Love them enough to give them the truth. They will honor you for it someday. They will. Help them with that uncontrolled desire. My parents helped me with self-control. said, we're not going to do that here. You can't act like a fool here. I'd get pinched in church. I remember I was carried out and spanked. Not in my teen years. When I was younger and I got spankings. But I, I still remember getting dragged to the restroom by my mom crying. And she would say, she would tell me. And I was real fluent with English at a young age. I remember what she would tell me, and she'd say, you're embarrassing me. I'm going to whip the fire out of you. And usually they, 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 they back those threats up. That's what your behind is for. I'm surprised I have any left. <laughs> Taught me about uncontrolled desires. I can't control myself. i got to just act like a fool. Then there will be consequences. No. But you're going to see that David didn't do well in these areas. These are spoiled king's kids. God bless him. David did well in so many other areas. We have Psalms. 
we have the beginning of Proverbs where you see he's teaching Solomon. We'll get into that in a minute. Let's go on to number two. Somebody say entitled. Uh-huh. I deserve this. I don't care. And this, people do this. I don't care if it's illegal, immoral, or at the wrong time. I don't care if it's illegal, immoral, or out of God's will. No, I want it. Let's go to 2 Samuel 15, verse 1. So before this, you know what happened? Absalom arranged Amnon's death. His older brother who had killed his, his sister, Absalom had him killed. He got banned, or he left Israel, he fled, he came back. Now he's been welcomed back to Israel years later. And here's what he did. I don't know why they did it this way. Maybe this, I'm sure there's way more historical detail in this and background. After this, Absalom bought a chariot and horses, and he hired 50 bodyguards to run ahead of him. I guess they would hire their own entourage. Shows that you're important. Yo, I got 50 dudes in my squad, so we're going to send them out ahead of me. They run before me as I roll down the street. I don't know what that's about. He got up early every morning, but he had a plan. Someone say he had a plan. Uh-huh. He was a spoiled little punk. He got up early every morning and went out to the gate of the city. And you're going to notice there weren't, hard, there weren't too many consequences about him killing, killing his brother. It was a strange situation. You can read into all of that. He got up early every morning, went out to the gate of the city. When people brought a case to the king for judgment, guess who was there to meet him? Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from, and they would tell him their tribe. And look what he'd say. Oh, you've got a strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. Huh. I wish I were the judge. Then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment, and I would give them justice. Oh. And guess what? Absalom was very handsome. Scripture said his hair was so beautiful, he'd cut it once a year, and it would be five-plus pounds of hair that he would cut off. He was a handsome dude, looked like a model. Beautiful. So it... Can you imagine the king's son? He's this good-looking guy. His eyes are shining. He has this beautiful hair. And people would try to bow before him, and Absalom wouldn't let them. Instead, he took them by the hand and kissed them. He said, oh, I wish I was the judge. I wish the king had a judge that would hear your cases. You have a strong case. Look at the next verse. Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment. And so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. He was disloyal and demonic. Huh. This is after he killed his brother Amnon. Can you believe that? He stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. Hmm. So something's brewing. Well, at some point, you know what he did? He was entitled. He said, I deserve this. He tried to steal the kingdom. He declared himself king. He started a rebellion against his dad. Based on Scripture and the context of this, it doesn't look like his dad had told him no much or disciplined him much. My dad was really good at teaching us to work hard and to fulfill our calling. And my dad was good at saying, hey, we're not going to get that right now. And I quote, he'd say, that's too bad. And sometimes he would say, I don't have the money for that, but why don't you earn the money and you get that? I'm going to take care of all this. And dad and mom were real quick to go, we got your food covered and your clothes and everything else. Y'all are blessed. You got us both at home? And I was like, oh, man, they're in my business. Yeah, and here they are. You know what my dad would say? He was good at this. This is a funny one. He'll, he, maybe he remembers this. Yeah, I know Elaine does. He'd go, hey, I'd keep up, keep up. He'd say, hey, you better shut up. And I'd say, yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. He'd say, you better figure that out. You're smart. You figure it out. And ask God, and you believe God. We can't do that right now. He was good at, man, they did so good at saying yes to so many things. So dad himself, man, they did great things for us, took care of us. But there were things that he said no about. And did you know saying no to people builds character? You don't say no to your kids about everything all the time. Some parents are that way. Everything's no everything. you got to balance it out. Everything can't be yes. Did you know now, younger generations, they're protesting at Supreme Court justices' houses now because they're not... They're scared of outcomes. They hate outcomes. It's not going to be how I want it, so I'm going to act like a big devil. There's been fathers who have been absent that could have told them, hey, no, you're going to grow up and you're going to get an education or you're going to go to vocational school, get that education, and here's what you're going to do, and you're going to earn things. And even Justice Clarence Thomas, he said, this generation, he said, these young people now, he said, they don't know how to handle outcomes that aren't what they, they imagine should happen. They're entitled. I deserve this. I want it. And I'd say to people who want it right now and you're getting out of God's will and it's some crazy thing, you better shut up. I'm just kidding. Just making sure you're still listening. Absalom was beautiful and handsome and entitled. So we have uncontrolled desire with Amnon. We have entitlement with Absalom. And now we have, uh uh-oh, look at this. Have you ever been this way? Unaccountable says, I'll do whatever I want when I want. I'm justified in this just because I am. I want it. I'm going to have it right now. It's very similar, very similar to the uncontrolled desire and the entitlement, but someone who's unac- unaccountable. So now we go on to Adonijah. Someone say Adonijah. Uh-huh. Look at 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5. About that time, David's son Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, began boasting. I will make myself king. You think he didn't know at that point that Solomon was supposed to be king? He knew he was older than Solomon, so he decided, I'm going to be king. Absalom's already, at this point, Absalom's already dead. You need to read the rest of the story. In his revolt against David, he got killed in the battle. He got caught. His hair got caught in a tree, and they killed him. Isn't that crazy? True story out of Scripture. So Amnon's out of the way. Absalom's out of the way. Kiliab, some have said that he was disabled. So the older brothers are out of the way. Now Adonijah gets to be like the oldest, and he says, I will make myself king. So I don't know why they did this. So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers and recruited 50 men to run in front of him. What is that about? That's two of the sons of David said, I hire 50 guys to run ahead of me. The great prince is coming. I don't know what they did. I don't know what they did. It was like a hip-hop guy's entourage. I don't know what that's for. Now his father, King David, this is a key verse right here for all of these guys with rough character. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? I feel like that's what my dad did most. We'll say, what, what are you doing? Adonijah had been born next to, to whom? Born next after Absalom, and he also was very handsome. So he, he thought, I'll be unaccountable. I'll do whatever I want. I'm justified. And you know some of the questions my dad asked me? This young man, he had never been questioned by his dad. My dad, used, you know what some of his famous questions were for us? He'd say, hey, boy, what's wrong with you? That's a big question. He'd say, did you do what I said? Here's another question. Where were you? Some parents are afraid to ask where their kid was. Man, they're going to be mad at me. 
You weren't called to be their best friend. You can be their close friend later in life when you're both, when they're an adult. Dad and I, dad and I have more of that vibe now, but he's still my dad. There's areas I, I just don't mess with him in. He, I got to respect him and treat him with honor, and I want to do that. But to say, where were you? Did you do what I said? Why were you gone so long? What time did you get home last night? I got asked that a few times, not many. And I'd try to fudge like I didn't know, right? One comedian years ago, he said, man, when I went home, we'd say, no, nobody knew what time it was. Nobody knew. I knew. I was getting older, came home couple times later say, hey, what time did you get home last night? I said, oh, I don't know. And, and you know what, mom and dad, especially dad, he'd say, oh, you know what time it was. You know what time it was. Another thing my dad used to tell me is, oh, you think I'm stupid. Or, no, you think I'm stupid. That's in that same stand-up bit by that other guy, because it's true. That was in the 70s when I was born. Dad said, oh, oh, you think I'm stupid. Huh? I said, no, no, you're the smartest man in my life today. Like that guy says, I may not have much life left, but you are the smartest man until you kill me here in the next few minutes. You are so intelligent and bright, Dad. He said, oh, oh, you think I'm stupid, huh? Oh, no, no. One of the best things my dad ever did for me, and I know not everybody had this, and now, now folks, because they had, didn't have a dad in their life, many folks, they go the other direction. They don't want to be told anything. You need to humble yourself. Got to submit to some, some godly authority or you're going to submit to Satan's authority. That's just how it is. Got to submit to godly authority somewhere, whether it's your parents or a man or woman of God, or you're going to submit to Satan's authority. Jesus said, Who, who's never, whoever is not against me is for me. But guess what? If you're, if you're not for Jesus, you're against him. So say, I'm not going to submit to authority. I'm going to do it my own way. Well, you're submitting to demonic authority. And that's what happened here with unaccountable Adonijah. And I thank God for the gift that my dad gave me of checking in on me. And I'd hear him check on Elaine and Jonathan, checking in, going, what were you doing? Why'd you do it this way? I didn't tell you to do it that way. He said, man, that's too much. No. How many of you know kids aren't born wise? You know that, right? Are y'all still with me? Kids are not born wise. And I don't know, I, need, I feel this by the Spirit of God today, and he's quickening this in my heart. Moms, moms, you say, man, dad was crazy or he was in and out of their life or he's still there but he's hard on the kids. And moms, do not try to make up for dad being a jerk or not doing good by spoiling your kids. You're going to ruin them. I don't know who needs to hear that today. You say, oh, you're, his father wasn't around, so I, I'm going to give him everything he wants. That does not work. That's how you, you create people who go to prison. Same with dads, but I'm, I, I'm telling you, it's a story of a dad today, but moms, don't be manipulated. We were, we were watching this thing. Y'all need to look into it. This guy has got this powerful ministry called the Cave of Adullam. And he's this sharp black man, and he's, he's reaching out, and he's talking about how, how kids like to manipulate their moms sometimes. Don't you be manipulated. They manipulate dads, too. But don't you try to, try to fill in for, this, for their, whatever they've lacked in their life by giving them everything they want all the time. You're, you're creating a problem. My, you know what my grandpa used to say? My grandpa Treadwell, he said, son, he said, folks are turning loose a bunch of idiots into an unsuspecting society. That's a hard word, huh? 
Jesus, at one time, he said, this is a hard word. Who can hear it? Hey, I love y'all, so I'm going to give you the truth. You don't want to spoil someone until they become awful. Did you know a lot of these, a lot of these guys that commit a murder and do crazy stuff, it's because they were spoiled. They'd never been told no. And did you know spoiled people, men and women, I see a lot of spoiled boys, though. Men and women that are spoiled, <laughs> they're very difficult to deal with. And they are very immature. Very immature. We as men, you say, Pastor Matt, you don't have any biologicals. God's called me to, to be a spiritual father until the day that I am a biological father. And I want to raise up men and young boys that are mature. Because immaturity says, I didn't get what I want, so I'm going to go beat somebody up. They looked at me wrong. I'm going to act up. I'm going to just be controlled by my emotions. No, uncontrolled desire. You remember that one with Amnon? We see where that led. Or entitled, I deserve this. Or unaccountable, Adonijah. Guess what, though? I've got good news. King David had another son who was groomed and prepared for the throne. And he was a man of God. Let's look at his earlier life. He was very much a man of God. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 10. Look at this. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. God met Solomon in a vision, and he said, I'll give you whatever you want. I'm honoring your father, David. I'm fulfilling my promise to him. I'm going to keep one of his sons on the throne forever. What do you want from me? You are my chosen. Solomon said, you know what? you got to give me wisdom. I'm, I'm just a child at this. I'm brand new. I don't, I don't even know how to come in and out the front door, basically, was the translation there. I don't so the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, look at this. Solomon was the embodiment at this point in his life of wisdom and humility. Someone say wisdom and humility. The opposite of all these other knuckleheads and the things they were doing. God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the what? <clears throat> Death of your enemies? I will give you what you asked for. I'll make you wise. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. Did you know no one had such a wise and understanding heart until Jesus came? That's what Scripture says. Jesus said, I'm here. I'm, basically, he said, I'm greater than Solomon. He's God in the flesh. God said, I'll give you what you asked for. I'll give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. Hmm. And I will also give you what you did not ask for. Look at this. Riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me, look, look at the clincher there. Are you guys still with me? If you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Are you seeing Matthew 6.33 here? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All because he was... Did you know King, Dave, uh, King Solomon was wise in asking for wisdom? Have you ever caught that? That was actually the beginning of his wisdom. He was wise in asking God for wisdom. And he was humble to say, I don't know what I'm doing without you, Lord. How many of you, maybe in the past, maybe now, you've made a mess of some things in your life because you just didn't ask God for his help? You did it on your own. I've been there too. I've been there many times. Say, man... I don't know why. Man, even as a man of God and a pastor, I lead the flock here. But there's times I'm like, why have I been doing this in my own strength? Lord, have I even consulted you about this? Have I asked you for your help? What am I doing? So look at the power of Solomon when he said, man, 
I can't do this without you. You're going to have to give me wisdom. And you see Solomon's life. He knew his role. He understood it. So it was, he was at the right time, at the right place. He was well prepared, and he sought God. All because, let's be real, he listened to his dad and his mom. You can, you can read that in Proverbs where his dad and his mom have taught him. And it's all wisdom and humility. You know what Scripture says? The fear of the Lord, the respect, the reverence, honoring God is the beginning of wisdom. When you say, God, I want to do it your way. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to do stuff that's against you. That is wisdom and humility. Thank God that we've arrived to this point today. Because did you see point one? Uncontrolled desire. And then entitled. And then unaccountable. But then now with Solomon, we see wisdom and humility. Can I just prophesy to you today? I see wisdom and humility in all of you today, just being here at church on a Sunday. I see wisdom and humility in you, on those of you joining us on the live stream or, or listening, listening to this audio recording later on. There's wisdom and humility there saying, I can't just do it on my own. I need God's help. This is not a condemning message. This is a message straight from the heart of God that says, wake up. You know, Scripture says that. Scripture says, oh, you who have been asleep, wake up. People are sleeping through parts of their lives. Not you. Maybe it's somebody else. But God, this is a reminder call for us to not go to sleep spiritually and not go to sleep on our character. How many of you know you got to stay ahead of your character? Got to keep working on it. And here's what's interesting. In situations, trials, tribulations, let, let me, let's be real this morning. How many of you, I'm going to raise my hand right now. How many of you have gone through some stuff this year? You said, man, I wish I didn't have to, but I did. I've gone through some stuff, some disappointment, some hurt, some private stuff, oh, different things. Congratulations. As part of the human race, Jesus said, you will go through trouble. You're going to have trouble. But here's the good thing about trials, tribulations, disappointments. In the midst of it, and I'm going to start to wrap this up. In the midst of it, your character is getting tested. Are you still with me? So how you respond is a test for your character. But how you respond after the test is over, if your character is better, there's another test, huh? So in, this is inter interesting. It's almost like this circular thing. It's this cycle. You're going through it, and you're getting your character tested. But, man, after the trial, you may say, man, I did about a D plus in that. I didn't do that great. I passed, but barely. Sometimes you may say, I didn't pass at all. I did not do good. I need to call on God and his mercy and that he'll forgive me. So you may have not done it at that time. But guess what? After the tribulation, the trial, the disappointment, the hurt, the loss, the grief, you can say, you know what, God, build character in me. I want to do better next time. Scripture says tribulation works patience. My mom loved to quote that verse. I remember I did not like that verse as a kid. I said, man, I don't want to go through stuff. I'm patient enough. Yeah, I was the most impatient person. God is building character in you in the midst of the trial and thereafter if you let him. He's testing your character and building character so that after the trial, the next time the same test comes around, I heard somebody say wisely recently, they said, man, I don't want to keep having to try to pass this same test. I need to pass this test and move on. I need to get promoted already. And some of you struggle in certain areas. I have. We seek God, but there's areas that, man, that's a weakness. That's a predisposition for something. Or I have an old hurt with dad or mom or grandpa or I went through some abuse. Just about everybody in this room went through some kind of abuse, I can promise you. And those listening today or watching. 
been through some kind of, of abuse. But at some point, you've got to take responsibility, be accountable, and say, God, heal me. I'm going to move on. I'm not going to use this as an excuse forever. God cares about your character. Because blessings of God are conditional. When you obey God, you get more blessed. Salvation, Jesus paid the price for that. You got to walk in it every day. You got to confess and believe and walk in that. But man, after that, all the blessings of God are conditional. You got you to put God first. You got to seek Him. You got to obey Him. You don't just get blessings just for blessings. Now, God does, He blesses everybody many times. There's these general blessings for everyone. Even the wicked, man, they get to live and they get to go on and, and, and God's giving them mercy. But at some point, God is telling you, and I believe he's telling you today, everybody at the sound of my voice, God is saying, it's time to stop ignoring your character and where you stand with me. Stop putting it off for another time. That's how people get to be old folks and all their weaknesses hit them at some point and they're impossible to deal with because they never worked on their character when they were young. Put God first. You don't have to have uncontrolled desire or be entitled or unaccountable. You can be wise and humble like King Solomon. And look at the great things he did. You say, man, well, later on in his life, sure, that's fine. But because of Solomon's wisdom and humility and the training he received from his parents, we have the book of Proverbs. We have Ecclesiastes. We have Song of Solomon. And we have a great example earlier in his life. We do. God's plan for you has not changed. He wants you to get better and better and better. You hear pastors saying it all the time. This will be your best year yet. If you want it to be, if you let it, it can end in December, December 31st being the best year of your life. You say, man, I had loss. I had disappointment. I lost, man, we lost our two beloved pets. Man, some of you are like, I had someone, a, a human in my life I lost. I lost a job. You know what? Let wisdom and humility come out of it. Don't you get bitter and angry and blame God and blame people. Everything is for your improvement if you let it be. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes today. Let your story be one of humility and wisdom and character building. Let it be. Father, we thank you for today, Lord God. I praise you because your people love you. I praise you in the congregation of your people because they're here not by accident. They're here to seek you, God. This is no accident. I need a little music back there, please. Perfect. Don't you dare blame others. You take responsibility for your actions and you start to seek God on your own. You've been called to be wise circumspect, put God first. You have. And it all starts with accepting, with believing and confessing. With confessing and believing Jesus. If there's anyone in this house who has never accepted Jesus or made him the Lord of their life, you've never publicly confessed Jesus, I want you to raise your hand today. This is your chance. If you say, Pastor Matt, I, I don't know. If I died today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. Both are real. Scripture says they're real. That's why we call upon Jesus and the blood that he shed, because he's the only way to get to heaven. Did you see that right there? I mentioned heaven and hell. Jesus. We mentioned sin in here. Why? Because it's a hard truth, but it's the only way to get to heaven. You can't get to heaven on your own, by your own goodness. Apart from God, we can't make it. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So today, if you've never called on the name of Jesus and publicly accepted him, if you've never called on God to save you, you've never confessed Jesus, would you raise your hand today? I'm going to pray with you. And we're going to put that at the forefront of our lives. Raise that hand if you say, man, I, I don't think I'm right with God. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. Nobody's looking right now anyway, but we're going to confess this together. Is there anyone else in the house that would say, I need to get right with God today? I don't know where. If I died, I don't know where I'd go. I'm going to give you just a moment. Anybody at all? All right. Let's pray together. Let's pray right now. I want you to repeat this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father. Say, I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And say, I confess him as my Savior and Lord. Say, the only one who can take away my sin. Say, Lord God, apart from you, I'm a sinner. Can't make it without you. I call upon the name of Jesus and the sacrifice and the shedding of his blood. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I need you. Be my Savior, my God. I need you, Lord. Say, I believe Jesus died and rose again for me, and he is now my Savior. Say, I confess, and I believe, and I call on your name, Lord. Say, thank you, Lord, for saving me from hell and from myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet with me this morning. I'm going to pray with you. I know God's dealing with you about your character today. He's been dealing with me about mine. Go ahead and raise your hand. I confess, prophesy, believe, and declare over you that the things that have gotten you down, maybe depressed you, maybe upset you, maybe that got behind your armor and hurt you and wounded you before, it's not going to happen anymore. You're improving as of today. Because you're listening to the word. You let it soak in. You not only receive the word gladly today, you let it take root. And I declare that over you. Every hand in the house raised. Father, I thank you for your people and the character you're building in them. Lord, we can't have character apart from your word, which is Jesus, our God. But it's, it's Jesus the word, the written word, logos. It's Jesus the word that becomes a revelation to us, the rhema word. We need Jesus to change. And we call upon him and the Holy Spirit and every word that's been written in Scripture to bring transformation to our lives as we seek you in your word, God. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for your promises. And I thank you that you're building character in us. In situations, through situations, through hurtful times, through disappointment. And the character is growing and building on you as the foundation, even when we've walked through those trials, God. I thank you for today and for your people. May your word continue to work in their lives. In Jesus' name, someone said, amen.